and welcome back to episode 70 of Panoramic Outdoors. Excited to be here. Sheldon Chase, long time no talk. I think the Christmas episode was the last time all three of us were around the microphones. How you doing, Sheldon? Yeah, man, I'm doing fabulous. I'm just having a nice uh, spice rum and coke right now. Uh, excited to get this episode accomplished because, yeah, it's the first time all three of us have been behind the mics talking to each other since the Christmas one. And I had a blast doing that one, so I'm sure it'll roll into a few more laughs. We try to run a very serious show here. Chase, back to you. Hey, guys. How's it going? Um, just, uh, yeah, holding it down in the basement in St. Andrews here right now. Um, enjoying some nuts and bolts that were passed on to me. and uh, Finally just, got some nuts, eh? Yeah, <laughs> getting into the Christmas spirit. Did you guys get any, like, early Christmas gifts yet or anything of the sort to, like, boost morale prior to Christmas season fully being underway? Like, any of those, like, work things or nothing like that? No, I I never got anything from work. Um, yeah, but I did get some cool some cool things. Like, you get those normal, like, cards and stuff from family. And, uh, yeah, so I got a bunch of, like, those uh, family christmas cards and all those you know those ones that come with the picture of the kids and all them and i haven't seen them for like a year basically because of covid a lot of my family so it was nice to see pictures of everyone and actually today i picked up a gift from cowboys caviar and uh that was nice of them they got us a little gift for all three of us although you guys haven't got them yet um it's a couple more packs of beef jerky surprise surprise but super nice of them on their part so that was pretty exciting yeah and just to say more about cowboys caviar they're they're huge supporters of the podcast they've uh they've been with us for a little while here help keep us doing what we do best and uh we've been enjoying their product in the field and out of the field as well and if you want to check out their products you can find them at cowboyscaviar.com i personally find them at the grocery store locally here safeway has them lockport grocery which is a stone's throw away for me has it as well um and just to be clear, Cowboys Caviar, this is Tristan speaking, and I uh, fully endorse your product and support it 100%. I'm just going just gonna to add on there is that they did send uh, the Christmas presents, and they sent one for Chase and one for myself, and they forgot poor old Tristan. So, Bonnie and, and Ivan, if you guys are listening, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't like jerky that much, but all jokes. Um. Yeah, and no Christmas gifts on my end either yet, except for uh, uh, Dell. Dell Barber had sent uh, some shirts out, so thank you, Dell. You're a, you're a very generous man, and uh, not only in your music but your apparel as well. Uh, nothing. Go ahead, Jace. Nothing really for Christmas gifts on my end. Um, I am was planning on uh, kind of getting some. Something good on Boxing Day, like uh, I'm, I'm looking for a new sleigh to haul around for ice fishing and some hunting purposes. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And I guess I guess one thing I can say that is kind of a bit of an early Christmas present is uh, some of the new video gear we we uh, we purchased for the company, and and uh, hopefully we'll be putting that to good use here pretty soon. Yeah, I got my. Uh package in the mail from you chase and i open it up man there's a lot of accessories here i don't even know what half of them do and then the carrying case i have i tried jamming everything in there and it's not working so 
Hopefully Panoramic <laughs> will open up the wall again and get me a carrying case. <laughs> Maybe we get Jay Siemens back on the show and just do a quick Q&A. Just literally ask him 50 times, Jay, what's this for? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I got a question for I got a question for you. I was reading on the news, Tristan, and you're a, you're a big parks guy, big camping, and there's a thing on the news saying that noise pollution because of generators of like fifth wheels or whatever, so whatever camper has a as a generator. Do you think that should be a rule in our campgrounds in Manitoba or anywhere? Oh, we're diving into a um, controversy. I like it. Um, uh, just a quick question. I, I think there's some existing rules uh, in our campgrounds in Manitoba here that, that already speak to the generators. I know because we have a, some friends who use them in the like non-service sites. I'm thinking specifically like Bird Lake. And um, typically you can only use them during the day for certain hours and they can only run for certain hours, like for two hours max, I think it is. So make sure you read your regs before you fire that up. All that said, I'm not sure how they would ever enforce that other than by a complaint-based system. So um, I maybe that doesn't answer your question, but like, I don't know. There's been times when I've been camping and I've been really grateful that I've had a generator to like either charge something or just like keep the fridge cold in some circumstances. So I know some people do camping much differently than that, um, but I, I've relied on one sometimes. So I, I won't be throwing stones by any means. It, yeah, and I appreciate that. It wasn't, I guess, as much of a question. I just wanted to know your opinion on it because you have camped in a lot more spots than I have personally. And I just I just think of like some of the times, like even when you guys went up to the paw there um, and, you know, having a freezer was kind of crucial just to get meat home, right? Or I guess you could go down the store and buy more ice and pack a cooler before you leave. But I don't know. What do you think, Chase, about the whole noise pollution in campgrounds? Do you think that's a, a valid conversation? Um, I, th- I think it couldn't be valid. I, I, I don't think you need to completely like outlaw generators in the campground i i believe that uh maybe there can be some separation between some of the sites maybe they can be a quiet area or something that 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 they can set up um but they definitely are useful i i I mean there's nothing crappier than getting some fresh fish and you know not freezing it as soon as you can kind of thing so my my opinion is if you the faster you can freeze it the better right so um I, I like the generators i do i do and I, like you don't have to run them all day right and there are propane freezers and stuff like that but um the side note to that i was thinking about uh how soon of a purchase one of those um flow form coolers might be <laughs> add it to the list yeah. list I I think there's an opportunity to springboard that conversation a little too, because I think this year, especially with everything we've seen, that the parks have seen almost like unmatched use. Like the the parks are booked up all summer and, you know, virtually into the fall and uh, all spring as well. So I think what I would really like to see is the province recognizing the diversity of clientele and users that they have in the park and trying to expand those options for people. So you know, you know, you want people, there's people who want fully serviced lots, you know, so make sure those are there. And then, you know, there's, there's room to have lots that are, you know, like quiet zones or like, you know, non-electric and all those things. Right. 
So I, I don't know. I, I think you could take a mixed approach and I think that would be a smart kind of approach to take. Yeah. I think that's a good point. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of, yeah, different campers out there and especially new, say new people like camping that they might not even know some sort of the etiquette, even if it's generator or anything else, like whatever it may be. So maybe, yeah, learning some, uh, camping etiquette and outdoor etiquette might be, might be a way of looking at, uh, improving that maybe question I had. And, but the other thing is too, is like, I mean, if we go camping as a group, if we're allowed to this coming summer, we need a generator to run our podcasting equipment. And if not, they're going to be listening to our music anyways. And that brings me to the round table, Tristan. I'm taking over this for you, from you right now. Okay, everybody. But I, I got into the Lumineers the other night. Um, I started listening to like all their songs and I came across this song called Jimmy Sparks, which you guys probably heard or might not have heard, but if you haven't heard that song, you got to check it out. It's kind of like a storytelling type song. Um, or, yeah, it was just a really like a hit the soul kind of song. Really loved it. Deep down. I love it. Chase, what have you been listening to, buddy? Um, well, I have uh, recently downloaded the uh, Spotify app. And I know it, it's it's good and it's not good in some ways. And what it's done for me has like expanded my my reach and like just the the amount of artists that i'm discovering now and uh the one oh man what, what was i listening to the other day there's like a mixed channel that i listened to with, with like charlie crockett and all those guys and chris stapleton's on there was it western centuries by any chance oh man let me let me see here I don't know if I can find it. I probably can't. I don't even know how to work this, to be honest with you. I just why did you uh, click get on Spotify? Uh, because YouTube was making me angry, and uh, Google Music was no longer a thing. So I needed something to supplement that. So I guess it is supplemental to Google Music for me, or Google Play, or whatever it was. I was going to download, uh, download it just because the Joe Rogan podcast is on there, and they deleted all his episodes off Apple. So I was pretty choked about that. So I knew it was coming and that, I didn't know when. So yeah, that is a, the secondary reason that I did download it. And, uh, I listened to a couple of Joe Rogan's podcasts. And the thing I don't like about it is like the video always plays when I play the podcast. I don't know if that's something I can turn off or what, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not too sure. I ain't never radio. I think is the one that I was listening to the channel. There you have it, folks. You heard it here first. Get the Spotify app. It's a thing. <laughs> hey, no free ads. <laughs> and uh, within that same app there, uh, I also use it to, like, discover music. And um, I sent this one to Chaser. Uh, Tim Buckley was the name. And uh, Once I Was was the tune. Or Once I Was is the tune. And uh, just a somber little number, but uh, sometimes you want to feel the feels. And uh, I thought it was a good tune to share. So check it out. Sheldon, what do you got on the tap, buddy? What do I got on the tap? I uh, Yeah, Spice Rum. I bought a couple of Spice. Oh, oh crack there. Hitting puberty. Uh, bought a couple of bottles of Spice Rum and got into the eggnogs the other night. And had a couple of them. You can't have too many. You get bloated and feel a lot more fatter than I am. So... I only had two, and yeah, they're good. Tis the season, I guess. Just nogging around. I'm sitting behind a uh, now um, deceased bottle of 
Glendaloo Irish Whiskey, which is this like really nice single malt that uh, I had from a, a whiskey fest, we called it, or like a uh, whiskey potluck where we all brought a bottle. bottle. Um, and yeah, really, really smooth, kind of like I, the Irish ones always tend to be smooth. So like, but yeah, lots of character still. So that's say goodbye. She gone. I, I got a question about your potluck here. Yeah. Um, I understand that what happened. I'm pretty sure I understand what happens, but yeah. Do you, are you taking like full shots of whiskey and like, cause wouldn't you think by like the 10th bottle to try, you'd be kind of like, Ooh, this all tastes the same. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. So a few key factors is, well, one is make sure you ensure safe transportation, um, from the residents. Um, so that was all put in place ahead of time. That the other one being that we, you know, we kind of took breaks between each sampling and had a little bit of food around to like cleanse the palate and make sure no one returned to their uh, high school graduation days. So yeah, but uh, no, it was it was a good little tasting, and I I would recommend it. And uh, um, maybe you can't do gatherings anytime soon, but who knows? Maybe it'll be a, like a safer option to like. You know, I know the convention center does one typically every year, so um, maybe if that's not coming around, you can do a smaller one, and it's an affordable way to do it. Chase. Yeah, cool. What's on tap? Um, well, we recently picked up 30 bottles of wine from uh, the local wine and brewery store. We uh, We actually had them... They made it for us there and bottled it for us, and we bought everything there, and we just uh, picked it up curbside, and uh, everything was pretty much done over the phone. So we got this uh, these really nice uh, Merlot made, and yeah, so we're well, we're not quite sitting on thirty bottles anymore. We've we've drank a couple and we've given a few away, but but uh, we're we're kind of looking forward to that. It, it was. Uh, it's a super cheap option, man. It comes out to like $6 a bottle for this wine. And I mean, after you get the, get the bottles too, then you're saving, saving more money there. So great for uh, holiday gifts. And, um, you know, it's not breaking the bank if you want to have a bottle too. What region of France is that Mer- Merlot grape from, Chase? Um, I'm going to go with Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I just wanted to see you hit the Google hard again. Uh, I, have no, I have no idea. Um, I'm assuming it's, it maybe it's something like Champagne or it's a Champagne region. Totally. Totally. I have no idea either. So um, I'm going to propose that we table the what's on the grill segment here. And maybe we can talk about the grill that we use. However, I've just been so excited to talk about I've been bugging the the fellows here, like, when are we doing the Elk Camp podcast? When are we doing the Elk Camp podcast? Because really my main contributions to Elk Camp this year were cooking, but I'm just really excited to talk about cooking. So if we can maybe weave that in, the cooking, into our main body. Yeah. If you guys That's are a great idea. Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just break away for a second here, and, and everybody knows that uh, Pit Barrels is a huge supporter of the podcast here and has been for quite a while. And, uh, most of the cooking that was done throughout 
our elk camp was on the the pit barrel cooker and it's pretty wicked man just how we can like that thing packs up into itself and you can put the charcoal in there and the thing i really like about it is like you can strap it down in the box of your truck and you know you're not going that thing's not going anywhere especially on those shady gravel roads of the inner lake um so that thing's came to a few camps with us and uh made it through the camp season and we put a lot of hours on that sucker and i'm really looking forward to uh to what we're gonna do with it throughout this fishing season here um anyways if you want to step up your food game you need to get a pit barrel you can find pit barrels at pitbarrelcookers.com online and uh, they have their their holiday sales on right now and uh, if you want to find them locally they also have a map on their website of where you can purchase them in Canada and in the United States. Um, if you're in fr- friendly Manitoba over here, you can get them at Lux Barbecue in Winnipeg. So check them out there. Yeah. And one thing to add on to that is just that lot, no disrespect to Hank Hill, lots of respect for the guy had a lot of great philosophies in life. His, uh, dogmatic adherence though to propane and propane accessories in my opinion may have been a little short-sighted here if uh, if you haven't given charcoal to try I, it's something you got to do it's just straight to flavor town as soon as you start grilling with charcoal in my opinion yeah the, the neat thing about the pit barrel too is everyone that we've spoken with that uses one is just amazed on like how uniform it cooks and like how easy and simple it is to actually use and set up. And, and it really is just like a set it and forget it kind of thing. Um, Love so, it. Love yeah. It. So, yeah. And then, Chase, I noticed for the the first time in our podcast series since September, you are not wearing your wool love within the – oh, yeah, okay, you're wearing Oh, it. he does. He's got it on he the totally bottom out there. <laughs> Uh, that's great. The funny thing is, what we'll love is I've been rocking the socks. We've got another uh, shipment coming, uh, hopefully before Christmas, and if not, it's going directly to Tristan this time, so he yeah. can get his socks. Did Wola forget so my I... bloody socks too? Because <laughs> I seem to be losing a lot of products in the mail lately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I end up opening up the other pairs of socks here, and that's what I want to talk about right now. Quickly is like Wool Love. If you go to www.wool w-o-o-l dot love l-o-v-e and check out their products online they have um some of the most comfortable like underlaying garments that you can get and i my biggest my favorite the most favorite out of all their stuff so far is the socks don't get me wrong the other stuff is great but i mean they're (laughs) i don't know what else to say about them they're super warm and the thing is is like i've i'm pretty sure i've worn like the same pair of socks two or three days in a row because it's like in a rush, grab a pair of socks, you go outside to go do something, and all of a sudden I'm wearing them for the entire day. And I mean, super comfortable and super warm. And the cool thing about it, what's that thing called, Chase? It's like not smelly. Antimicrobial? Uh, antimicro- antimicrobial, yeah. There you go. I'd try to say it, but I'd totally mess that up. So, yeah, the stuff's great. We really love it. So, if you're on their website, www.wolove.com, you can use Panoramic 10 at checkout and get 10% off. So you can like bundle up one of their packages, which you already get a big percentage off, and also use our uh, checkout, um, use our promo code at checkout, Panoramic 10, Wool Love. 
It, yeah, and just to clarify, that that website there is wool.love, and that's that's the quickest way to find them. Anywho, getting down to the nitty-gritty here, and if you guys would indulge me, I'm hoping to just maybe lay the context of the conversation here about our 2020 elk camp. And um, unusual times for a variety of reasons, one of them being obviously COVID, uh, another one being, though, that you know, Chase has a well-established family already. And my boy there, Finn, was due kind of, we didn't know Finn or boy, but he was supposed to be coming at the end of August, which was basically a butt directly to the start of elk season. Um, yeah, and to, to to frame the story up a bit here, uh, Chase and I got drawn for tags. When we, in Manitoba, you got to put into a draw system. I think it's like in April. Um, it goes by priority. It's a long story. Long story short, <clears throat> Chase and I get drawn. Um, so we decided to do some scouting all summer and, um, go and hunt elk for a week. And then of course, COVID was happening in the springtime carrying into the summer and we we're kind of getting worried about it. And then it kind of like made it so we had to like kind of alter some plans. Chase can go for the whole week because of obvious reasons with COVID. And so we kind of got together for periods of time um and then we had a couple other guys that came to camp um just to either deer hunt or just to hang out and cook and um like yeah hack was there tristan was there our friend tyler was there so people came and came and left throughout throughout the week and uh or throughout the season but we did get a we did get some really good hunts in and and some good quality time at camp so basically that's what happened and that's what we're going to talk about today i think in the podcast so what was the scouting like? Because we've we've been to a couple camps already. We've learned some hard lessons. If uh, if you haven't listened to our previous elk camp uh, podcast, they're back there in the lineup, and uh, you can hear all about the excitement and heartbreak in those. Knowing what we knew from those past years, like how how did scouting play out, and what were the hopes and aspirations, like kind of leading into this thing here? Um, well, scouting on my end was just pretty much getting back into some of those areas that we had encountered elk in the past and really just kind of verifying that they're still around there and that they're going to be there. So um, we went into a couple areas that we had some good encounters and uh, set up, I think I set up one trail camp. No, I set up two trail camps. Uh, Man, that, that one day when I was scouting, it was so hot. It was like one of those plus 32 days and then uh, plus the the humid X kind of thing. So it was just a crazy day, and I wasn't a good day for hiking around. So we we uh, really like used the the bike to our best abilities to to get to some of these locations. And uh, and yeah, and just scouted around. And and some of the camera work revealed that there was no elk really in in the one area, and. Uh, yeah, the other camera revealed that there was, you know, we had some, I think, four or five different bulls showed up on that camera. So um, we kind of put all our eggs in that in that basket, and, and uh, that's the area we kind of focused on in the fall. Yeah, and the big thing there, too, is, like, I didn't really do much, much to any scouting. I kind of relied on Chase's uh, time that he put out there. Um, just so, yeah, with with my schedule and stuff, I just couldn't make the drive up there to to do any scouting really at all. Um, but I did I did have a fairly good um, idea on some spots I did want to check out. I know there's this one spot 
Uh, I just called it the Ridge, and we went and checked it out one day. Chase and I and Hack um, went for a drive and checked it out, but it it just wasn't really what it was the year previous. So we kind of xed out a few little spots on on a weekend before we actually started um, the, the the actual L camp. So for my scouting wise, yeah, I was more or less going by what Chase kind of found and. Uh, crossing out some of this i went and checked out some of the spots where i thought there might be elk and there wasn't so cross those out right away and we kind of basically focused on you know let's just say for easy speaking like 10 10 square miles maybe i don't know what do you guys think yeah that's about right i think and like is it fair to say that we were kind of now getting the sense of the although we didn't know the land as well as those elk that were inhabiting it and moving through it like almost seamlessly we're getting a better handle of that area and we're getting to zero in on some of those features like what features were we zeroing in on and were we getting a better kind of handle on that yeah well i'll start off by saying like even when we're walking back through there and some of the features that i've noticed and and i it helped navigating through the bush but you'd find those willow runs and they would run like hundreds and hundreds of yards to the point where they'd almost make you like, and you didn't want to walk through them because they're so thick and they had broken down trees from those big windstorms we had uh, the year previous, like till, from last October, there was trees falling all over the place. It was crazy. So it kind of like, I don't know if it would choke the elk out kind of like the way we were walking. We wouldn't even go into the stuff because it was so thick. And when you got back in there, there wasn't even a sign of an animal. Like you, you wouldn't even be able to tell if a rabbit ran, ran down, right down the middle of it. Like you'd never see it. So I think that kind of helped us in some advantage points that maybe the elk weren't, weren't traveling in those areas. And certainly we weren't traveling in those areas and we tried. Um, so that was one thing that I took right off the, like right from the maybe first day or second day as those willow runs were so thick that we kind of had to try to avoid them and navigate and, um, you know, using the iHunter app or whatever we were using to kind of make sure we weren't getting stuck in the middle of those because it would be an hours to get through some of that shit. I'll echo that because, like, one of the things I noticed really, and I was going to talk about it later on in the podcast because I did a little tooling around in the bush myself while you guys were out there, and it seemed like one of the big differences in the features that we were hunting um, and how they kind of evolved was that we had shifted away from maybe hunting some of these old burn grounds so hard because all that regrowth coming back up was just so dense that, like Sheldon, you said, it, it seemed almost inconceivable that anything could get through there, much less an elk, right? And it didn't look like the elk were going through there because it was so thick that, like, I could, I couldn't, the thought of kicking a bow or something through that brush was just inconceivable to me, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely frustrating. And I know a couple times, like, I got back into it and I was like, you know, dripping of sweat you know running out of water and it's not like i was freaking out by any means like i knew where i was going and i know like i knew i could walk out of just about anywhere where i was but at the same time it's just like so thick and you're just like ah where is this trail where's this trail it it doesn't freak you out like i said but it kind of makes you think like you know makes you think of the bigger picture like if you did get lost and you and you didn't have you know gps compass or whatever you could be back in there for hours so it made you really think to prepare for the next day. Like I, I noticed myself, I was packing like a couple more candy bars and then, you know, an extra bottle of water in case we got into those, some of those deep spots, a couple more gort bars, you know, whatever we could kind of pack and pack lightly to keep the energy up. That's what we're doing. Chase doesn't like to go too far into the bush, does he? 
<laughs> yeah, it's awesome going with him. <laughs> Chase, were you noticing a shift in like how, how things were kind of like changing from this year to last year? Uh, yeah, like from years previous, uh, slight shift, like some of the areas that we hunted, uh, previous in the old burn were certainly grown in quite a bit more than they, they were last time we we're out there. So that was a big change for us. Cause we, we had some really good action in, in some of those, those burn areas. And, uh, now with that, with that growth, I, I mean, it, it'd be super tough to get an arrow through. It'd be super tough to see an elk and some elk might be in there i know we did have an encounter with a cow the one day in one of those areas and um i made uh the poor decision of following an elk trail into one of those areas knowing well that it was thick and overrun and i don't know how they traveled through there but somehow they made it through there and uh i was heading into a new spot that i wanted to get to and to play the wind properly at the cut this trail and i thought i'd take this elk trail and it should lead me right there kind of thing but the elk dispersed throughout the <laughs> throughout the burn once they got a little further in there and it, i was pretty much just bushwhacking through this stuff and it was absolutely terrible and uh yeah it's uh not something i like hanging out in that's for sure yeah yeah and the stuff was so thick like we would be losing shit all the time um <laughs> I mean, I lost four hoochie mama elk calls, and that that might have been like there might be some other story to that too, which we probably won't get into. Um, but Chase, didn't you lose an arrow or two? I know I lost an arrow. I know my back. Tristan might have lost an arrow walking through that stuff. I know my backpack, my, like the the back like compartment, the my string that's on the zipper part. I think got caught in a tree. Opened it up. I lost a buck knife, a razor knife, and a bunch of like, um, um, what is it called? Like that white stuff you put on meat. Can't even think of the word. Like uh, cheesecloth. Like cheesecloth. Yeah, lost a bunch of that, and uh, yeah, I lost a bunch of stuff out of that compartment. So that bush swallowed up a lot of my gear this year, but it was because it was so goddamn thick, man. I was by the for the record, I was going to go with salt as the white thing that you put on meat. But uh, yeah. might have been off. Awesome. That would have been a good answer. <laughs> so yeah, things were setting up a bit differently. Um, we were learning more, but at the same time, camp looked different this year. I wasn't there for setup, which is like one of the 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 key ingredients to camp for me. I'm just I love being there on day one and getting things all organized and. Uh, breaking it in and maybe um, cracking that first beverage when you're taking camp in for the first time what was set up like this year for you guys yeah go ahead chase well i was just gonna say things were a little bit different for me because like like uh i wasn't able to make it out for the full stint of camp but i did have spent a quite amount of time out there like I, i made it out for opening day uh i then we did uh that that following weekend we were out there and then following that i was out for two stints while while sheldon was in camp and then i we went out for uh the last day too didn't we yep yeah we did yeah we did but for uh evening hunt or afternoon i guess kind of hunt yeah yeah like that was the thing too is that it was it was really different like because of the covid thing and you know chase had uh 
commitments with babysitters and et cetera. So I think you went, what'd you go for three days at start and then three days at the end of my 10 days. So I was kind of there for four days yeah. without, without you kind of thing. Um, so yeah, like setting up camp was a lot different because I kind of bought groceries for the entire 10 days, you know, and, and got, had everything there. So I didn't really have to have to really go to town for much. Um, that being said, anyone that's listening, our camp's close enough to town. We could drive there if we really need to. Um, so yeah, I, I had mostly everything I needed, but camp setup was a little bit different. There was uh, a lot of moving parts this year and a lot of different parts, I guess I can say too, that made, uh, made it a little bit different, but. I guess the one thing that I do that about uh, camp this year, we did a lot of fires outside. Like the weather was fairly good and never really got that cold compared to the year before. Um, so yeah, we spent a lot of time outside around the fire. Yeah, that that was the nice part because I remember the, the previous year where we've, we established there and the first night I spent in my, my camper and it was, I went, shit, this is cold. I think I didn't pack accordingly for this trip. Um, but the way, (laughs) the way this year rolled out, it was, it was much nicer and we were able to enjoy quite a bit of time outside, which was great. Um, so Chase was in there in and out. I was only there for, you know, a couple days and mainly just tooling around. Sheldon, you were there for, for 10 days. You were, you were there for a haul. Yeah, I was there for 10 days. Um, I can't lie. I never hunted for 10 days. I took one morning off because um, of lost alcohols and other things. But it was nice. I, I was in the, at this cabin kind of by myself, and I woke up and, you know, made breakfast. The, guy, the landowner stopped by for coffee. We had a bullshit. And, you know, after he left, I cleaned everything up, and, and I read a bit of a book and just kind of uh, – kept the fire going during the day and, and it was really nice to have that little bit of alone time. It was kind of like a day break, um, from, you know, the first four days of camp to the last five kind of thing. And yeah, it was perfect. It was much, much needed. And then, uh, Tyler ended up coming out that night or the the next day. Anyways, he ended up coming out just a couple days before Tristan. So I got to spend some time with him too. And, uh, another guy that, you know, I'm getting to know, I met him through you guys. So it was nice. It was, a, it was, um, a great camp, like uh, yeah. But the entire ten days was was out there, and a shower sure felt nice uh, when I got home. Before we get into the actual hunting segment here, I'm I'm just curious. Like, I I haven't spent a lot of time with Hack, but um, I I'm very curious about what a guy like Hack was in camp. Like, he's just such a big personality. Like, I can tell just from seeing him and hearing him talk that like it. I, I would have loved to have been by the campfire with that guy. Yeah. He's, uh, I'm just going to start off by saying that he's uh, very, uh, I don't even know what the word to use, but like when the conversation got low or dull, he would like ask a question that would get everybody going. And even though there's only three of us in the camp at the time when he was there, like it'd be like, what's your ultimate favorite song? You know, or what, just like a very generic question where it would get us talking and get us talking about songs we haven't heard of in a long time. And then all of a sudden, you know, that steams or stems off to another conversation. So that he's that type of guy camped that there's always something to talk about when he's around. Oh, 
yeah he's 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 like a, has this depth of knowledge too and and like just the memory like a sponge so like he knows the history of music and artists and movies and all this stuff and like years that things came out so it's it's really interesting having these conversations with him but but hack was pretty cool too because uh man he just wanted to come out there to be there and he came out and he cooked some food and he just went for a ride on his quad pretty much the one day and and uh man he just came out to have a good time and and uh spend some time with the boys pretty much and and uh yeah it was nice it was nice having uh having the company and that's kind of one thing that, that i really enjoyed about about uh elk hunting this year and and uh it's just people just come out there just to enjoy the camp and and we had uh we had a lot of good people come through camp this year and, and uh, just adds to the uh, the memories there. And uh, I don't know, just uh, it's nice to share with people, right? No, absolutely. I feel like you can learn a lot about a person by spending a day or two with them in camp too. And it, it's not to be uh, – I, I can't say I've spent many camps with, with people that I didn't like, so I've been fortunate that way. <laughs> But it's 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 uh, interesting how telling an environment like that can be, and uh, how uh, how it draws character out of people, which is one of the elements I just love about it. Yeah, the other thing too, there's a couple other guys hunting uh, out of Ashen, staying in a hotel in Ashen. So when you guys weren't there, they were still hunting. So they would stop by camp, you know, every every other morning or every morning we'd have coffee, make them, you know, have breakfast together, do whatever. And, bullshit and, and and talk about say the morning hunt or the night before hunt and uh, so it was really good to kind of share the share what you learned and sh- share some of the experiences from those two guys to us and uh yeah it was it was really valuable in my opinion and it was just that yeah like you said camp atmosphere and, and getting to talk to some other guys and and hang out it's like one of the best parts of going hunting <laughs> in my mind is uh, the conversation and and morale yeah you got me there buddy so, and then rolling into camp, you guys hit her bright and early in some respect. Like, you must have been bouncing off the walls here in some sort. Like, we hadn't been hunting all year kind of scenario. And, you know, we're still dealing with some of the fallout from COVID or right in the middle of it. And we're on the third year of an elk camp where no one's even hit anything yet. So what was the plan on day one here? What was, how, I thought for sure we were going to get an elk on day one. I thought for sure that text was coming across. What happened there? <laughs> Man, I, I can't even, to be honest with you, if I were to go day by day, I don't know if I could, if I could accurately describe each day that, that as it went. Um, my first day in camp was opening day. <laughs> yeah. besides uh besides the uh, actual elk camp and uh man I, I tried getting back into an area that we've seen some elk and and it, the thing about that area and that burn is you just get soaked in there with those early morning dews because there's so much foliage on the on the leaves or there's so much foliage and the leaves hold so much moist moisture that early morning dew so i went walk into the area start getting wet so i walked out and I got back to the bike, and there was uh, an elk, a cow elk, standing there looking at me, pretty much right on the trail I just walked out on. And she was standing actually with uh, with a white-tailed deer. And I was like, what in the world? Like, where did these two animals just, like, show up from? 
because it was a bit of a meadow that I had to walk through. And uh, anyways, they stopped and we locked eyes for a bit and they eventually took off and and uh, kind of rattled me a little bit. But um, and then we then we went into uh, that was all the action I had that day. So and then uh, followed that up with the next weekend with uh, me and Sheldon in camp. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing for me too is like the year prior or previous to to this year, Chase and I had a few encounters. So coming into this year, I was just thinking, you know, I just really want to, I want to see one. I want to see one come in. The year before that, we had them to the point where like the one was within 20 yards to me, but I could not see them. Like it was just so thick, right? I could hear them like, I could hear everything. But anyways, it's a different story. But this year I was just like, come on, we just need to see one. We need to call one out. We need to like, we should be able to get a, get a poke one this year. And that's what I was going uh, through my head, driving up to Ashton. I remember thinking like, oh, we're going to see one this year. We're going to get a good chance. We're going to get, this is might, might not be the year, but this is going to be the year that's like the next step. We're going to do one step better than we did previously. And, you know, it, it came true. Like we, we did see lots of elk, um, you know, different bulls. And our strategy and plan was working very well, other than we never got a shot. So, yeah, leading into day one, I was just like, I just want to see one. <laughs> and that's how it all started, I guess. Man, I remember I was zipping up to come with you guys the next day. Like, there was a, there's a couple-day lull between well, – I, I don't want to say lull. There was a, I spent a couple days after Finn was born uh, with the family. But, like, I did manage to sneak out after getting a few progress reports up to camp – and I I'd set my alarm and I, I, I put this on the Instagram story so some folks might have seen it, but I had set my alarm for three thirty to come rush up to camp and get out on that first or one of those hunts with you guys. And I was planning to do some camera work and, you know, just get in on the experience because I I knew you guys were getting lucky out there. And I set it for three thirty PM. So I didn't wake up until <laughs> goddamn like I think 5 5 a.m. was when I woke up and I said, oh, shit. So I threw all my my stuff was already packed. So I hit the road and I, I remember that I was like voice texting Chase on the way up trying to like. And the worst is you guys don't have great reception in camp either. So I was trying to figure out a plan. And I landed up heading up there and just like hanging out in a completely different area to see like if there's any sign anywhere. And landed up walking around this old area that we hunted and saw absolutely nothing, which was disappointing. The moral of the story being, like, always, unless you're operating on that military clock, always check whether it's AM or PM, especially when you're creating a new alarm for three Always said to. Man, I'm going to give you a lot of credit for that, too, because you're kind of a trooper when, on both your trips out to camp. Like, the first one, you're there for less than 24 hours. And from, I don't know what it is from your doorstep, but probably a couple hour drive. So a lot of commitment just to come in, you know, come and hang out for a night. Uh, yeah, good on you. I thought that was really cool. It was awesome to have you there too. So I just, I was just thinking about that. Like after you left, I'm like, man, that's a lot of work to come out for, you know, 18 to 24 hours. I'm like, fuck, I don't even know if I'd do that. I had, <laughs> I had visions of like a uh, elk tenderloin being seared over the campfire. So like there was uh there's a lot of FOMO going on in my brain at that point in time, for sure. Um, but like out of all the encounters 
you guys you guys had like how many encounters total do you think you had well we had the very first one we talked about it in our last podcast i believe or maybe the one previous we had that encounter which was like one of the first days we had um we had an unreal night and when we seen what could have been two different bulls but it might have been the same bull but two different bulls sightings and then plus heard one at the very end of the night and was working him and actually got on him the next morning and seen that one. So that's another one. And then on a different piece of property, a different piece of land we're on, we've seen one. I've seen the legs of the one bull. Chase seen a bull at the same spot with cows and calves. So like out of it all, I we've s- probably seen five or six different bulls, you think, Chase? Uh, yeah. Probably five or six different bulls. I think we had, I'm like just telling it up in my mind. I think we're at like seven encounters with bulls and probably like five of those encounters were under 50 yards. Four of those encounters were under 30 yards. Yeah. <laughs> seven. I, I didn't know it was that. Yeah. It could be probably close that one night though. Like when we seen those two bulls, those, those could have been the same bulls, but encounters, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I have to ask because I I know all the stories, but the, the listeners <laughs> probably don't. How do you how do you have seven encounters and you know, a lot of those being under fifty yards and not even shoot? What's going well, on there? I can tell you first off, if you were listening to the first ten minutes of this episode, we we're hunting in the thickest freaking bush in freaking manitoba like it is it is insane some of the spots we're going to and not only that it's hard it's hard getting through some of it when it's clear like you're you're walking in like four or five inches of water uh whatever maybe broken down trees burnt up trees whatever it is it's it's hard walking and uh so yeah in my opinion like i mean that's the elk's backyard so the elk have the advantage right off the bat they know where they're gonna go then they know their outs they know where their exit is, and we we don't even know where the fucking entrance is. So it, it's crazy just when you get back to some of these spots, and you're just like, "What's the play?" And we're all going by instinct, and by and then not only that, then you get in, two different people's instincts working against each other. Where it's like, you may you may think you have the better idea, and and 50 percent of the time you you are gonna have the better idea, but you just gotta either give in or go with. And uh, yeah, it gets hard and frustrating, but it. I don't know. Maybe those are a whole bunch of excuses that other elk hunters are like, man, these guys suck. <laughs> and we could suck. That could be the other fucking thing too. We could suck. <laughs> we're, uh, I think we're, we're good enough to get close obviously, but, uh, um, we're, we're, we're like that dude at the bar that just can't finish. Right. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's, uh, what the what the magic piece of the puzzle is yet maybe like in my mind i'm thinking like i did like i was pretty aggressive on lots of those close encounters right to land and maybe if uh you know we just stood silent maybe the elk would have come in or maybe things would have played out differently but um i mean there were times where I did sit for periods of silence too and, and nothing different really happened. And, um, I don't know. It's crazy, man. That, that bush up there and the elk are, those big bulls are smart, man. It's tough to fool them sometimes. Um, the, uh, that one day I had an encounter with the same bull and two cows and I had them at 15 yards, two separate 
incidents and her <clears throat> and uh that bull every time he moved man he just he knew exactly what tree to stand behind and it, you know arrows knocked i'm drawn full draw just waiting for him to step two more yards further than where he's at and he just stands right behind the spruce tree and spins and walks away kind of thing so it's i don't know they're not dumb that's for sure but we just got to figure figure out how to trick them better than than what we've been doing yeah and i'm gonna have to agree with you there too chase like we we took the aggressive tactic for sure and it worked like it worked so well i was like my mind was blown um i'm like very new to elk hunting so i was kind of uh, i'm still kind of learning as as i go um but yeah, like totally, my mind was just totally blown because we were being so aggressive. And then, yeah, but I think I think when we got to like the last, you know, say whatever it might be, 20, 30 to 40 yards, you know, maybe trying a different approach would have been would have been beneficial. But who knows? Like it's all on what we think, right? And uh, yeah, I have no idea, but I think I'd agree with you there. We did. I think we did a very very good job getting onto them and getting into the vicinity and shooting distances. But it was just that last little bit we just. We're going to have to learn. We're going to have to do something different yeah. because, I mean, and, and then that being said, who knows? Like, just like you said, you had shooting opportunities. I had one shooting opportunity. Uh, we had we had the opportunities to just, we just had no luck. And, and, yeah, maybe we made a few mistakes here and there, but that's all part of hunting and it's all part of uh, why we love it. Yeah, so for, for, like, people that are listening right now, like, the way we, we approached this elk season was that, we were calling and we'd give the elk, I don't know, five or 10, 15 minutes kind of thing. And if, if he wasn't coming in, we were going after him. And some of these elk, we pushed for like a kilometer, maybe more before we were able to have a, like an opportunity at them. And we pushed and pushed. And some of them gave us a heads up that we're, they were turning around and coming our way. And we'd have maybe a minute to get in a setup. But I remember that one bull, man. We were pushing, pushing, pushing through that thick bush, and we got into that one little meadow, <laughs> and he spun so fast at us, and he was in our face like I barely had time to take two steps on him before he was like right up our arsehole. So, so it happens the black, fast. The one with the black horns, black antlers. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was yeah. that was crazy, man. <laughs> that was cool, and like that, yeah. The, that's exactly what we did. We just pushed them, and then it was almost like they snapped. It was, in my mind, I never. Well, I've seen, I think one of them I seen with cows. You've seen a couple of cows, but in my mind, I was always thinking like, if they're not coming at you to challenge us, it's either might be maybe a smaller bull or whatever, maybe, or it's one that already has a few cows with them, and that's what always went through my mind. So then when we're chasing them or going after them or challenging them, we'd get to like a certain spot, and then like you said, they would just like snap and they'd turn around and they'd be coming to fight. And it was just like, like, man, like some of the, some points in that hunt, I was like freaked out. Like I was like, my adrenaline was like through the roof. Like I could, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was intense. And that one with the, his horns are all black. And when he turned and started coming and I had a shooting lane and I was basically, I was drawn, I was ready for him to come and he stopped and he turned around and walked away again. But like, I was so jacked up because of that just encounter and watch him come through the through the bush and you know it was it was unbelievable but so sheldon you were drawn there but you couldn't get an arrow off no like the the way i was kind of set up is that it was almost like there's like a little 
trail and let's say he was heading uh let's just say he was heading east and i'm kind of sitting south looking north so if when he's heading east and i'm kind of waiting for him to break my north south vision because there's like a, a shooting lane there and he got like right up to it and then just turned around and then walked away um and kind of quartered away from us like he was almost trying to find wind of us or i don't know what he was doing and then yeah then he just disappeared but yeah, it was crazy because that and that hunt on that on that hunt we that was we heard him the night before and we went in after him and we did like one or two calls and he like lit up right away. Where Chase and I were like, okay, well we're gonna wait here, we're gonna get set up, and we were in some really thick shit too. Like I remember I had to break a bunch of tops of willows to try to get shooting lanes in the spot where I was kind of set up, but that was my only option. And we sat there and waited for a while, and then we decided, okay, let's get going. Let's see if we can cut the distance. And what we'd do is we'd be very vocal with them. Um, and then, you know, when we find these openings, we're talking about, like, maybe 20 yards to 75-yard openings where it's, like, maybe a meadow or just, like, like a really clear-cut line or a real good trail. What we would do is we'd stop calling and basically, like, jog it, like, I would be jogging. Chase would be just walking normally because his legs were about eight feet long. But we'd be, like, just giving her through these openings. And then once we got to the other side of the opening, then we'd call again, and we'd try to cut that distance down. And it worked really well. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chase, but I, we we did that on two or three different encounters, and it worked really well where we could cut that distance. Um, and then there, and on this one, we got in really close to him, sat up again, no dice. He kept going. So we... We actually, at one point, we thought we'd lost him, that he was done. Like, he winded us or smelt a rat or whatever it may be, and we thought he took off. And then we were, like, kind of just walking, and we jumped up a whitetail or something, went running through the bush, and I thought that was him. And I'm like, oh, it's yeah. over. It's over. So we had, a, you know, a water and a, and a bar or whatever, and we're just kind of sitting there shooting the shit. And then Chase does another call, and all of a sudden he lights up again. He's the exact same distance as he was freaking, like, three hours ago. So we had to, like... <laughs> do the whole thing all over again which didn't stop us but at the end of that day man i was i was gassed sheldon i remember you returning to camp one night and i can't remember after what um what day it was but it was my second tour out there and uh you had come back and you just had this look on your face like you had wrecked your truck or something like that you just looked devastated and pissed off and like angry and you just shook your head, and me and me and Tyler were sitting there waiting for the story to come. We're like, "Oh yeah, I bet you they got on elk again." What happened? What happened this time? And you just you're just like, "I don't know, man. I don't know." <laughs> I, you, yeah, you're gonna have to nail that down because it seemed like it was like every night when I got back to camp. But the one that the one that it does stick in, out in my mind was when Chase and I <clears throat> went to a, an an old area, but a new area on this trip. As in, like, we were there before, but we never hunted there yet this time. And we kind of got went and got set up in this spot. Tried it for a bit, and it sucked. So we decided to walk all the way around. We're walking through these willows. And I don't know if Chase did a cow call or what happened. And then all of a sudden, this freaking elk lights up, and he's 60 yards away from us or whatever. <laughs> it was just a total scramble. And I'm, like, like almost laying down, trying to hide behind this willow. And I could see this elk looking at Chase. Chase is like behind me 20 yards. And he was just standing there looking at us. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. He, we didn't have good wind. I don't even know why the elk was still there. And then he took off, right? And then 
sorry, Chase, I'm taking, I'm taking all these stories out. Um, and then, so he takes off. So Chase and I are laughing about it. It's like, oh yeah, we're walking through this bush. There's an elk here. Like, what are the chances? So anyways, we decided, okay, we're going to go down to this other spot. Um, you know, we got maybe an hour left. So we started booting her down this trail and we're walking and I see this bull elk standing in the middle of this meadow, like 160 yards, 200 yards away. So I already have my glass on. I'm looking and <laughs> I look over and Chase is still like, do, 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 do. He's like walking down the trail. And then all of a sudden he like points and he looks back at me and I'm already looking at the elk, like trying to figure out what's the next play here. So we try to do something with him and he's like, fuck that. Like, these two dudes are walking down the trail and they think they're going to call me over. So this elk buggers off. And so then Chase is like, well, I'm going to go down to this far end. And so I kind of stayed there in that area and we kind of messed around. And then Chase did some calls and heard that one that I just spoke about, that big, long um, pursuit. Found that one. That's the one we went for the next morning. But I do remember going back to camp and I was just super frustrated because you know, like we're running, A, we're running up days and it's like, B, how many more goddamn opportunities are you going to get? Like how many are the elk gods going to give you before, you know, they're just going to be like, okay, that's it. You're going to hunt for the next five days and not even see or hear one. Right. So I was pretty frustrated. That's for sure. So Chase, Sheldon had to like keep up with your squatch like tendencies throughout this entire camp, like bounding over large trees and, uh, kind of echoing some of the sentiment here of not being able to just get get that right bounce like what was what was your morale like here through all these encounters because you were covered up in elk virtually every day and like what was going through your head man it was it was the same thing going through my mind and it was it was like like after every encounter that we had it was pretty much like okay well that's it like we might not see another elk for the rest of the trip. And then what kind of kept me going is like, okay, just one more encounter, then we'll we'll get our lucky break or we'll do a right or whatever it may be and we'll get a shot. And it was just it was crazy because like towards the end of the trip there, there was like multiple days where we were in elk in the morning and in elk in the evening. And it was just like when is it gonna happen kind of thing. You know what I mean? And it was I don't know. It was crazy. And just like, just thinking about past years where, you know, all we had was that one encounter kind of thing. And, and this year now we're just, we're just falling over elk pretty much. And we just can't get an arrow through anything. It was just like, what in the world? You know what I mean? So it was tough. It was tough. It was the good thing about it was like, I just wanted to, to bring in a bull within shooting distance and you know say that you know we kind of did that and and we we accomplished that like fairly early in in the in the hunts and like we seen the biggest bull i think of the trip on one of those first encounters if i think if i remember correctly right oh that was huge man it was a, it was a very nice bull yeah so and i think that was the first one yeah and and we were we had two different bulls bugling at us there at the same time and like thank goodness Sheldon was hunting with me because I didn't hear the first one at all and then that eventually led us into another calling sequence and uh, got this other guy lit up but the the elk activity that that we experienced out there this year was just I don't know it was unbelievable and 
Yeah, and a few things too to add add on to that. <laughs> Chase and I, when we hunt together, it's it's quite funny when I think back of it because uh, we we've hunted together quite a bit for the, for these elk and archery hunting, and I, I know we got quite a few opportunities. But I think anybody that's listening that archery hunts and knows the work that you actually need to do to like get back into these spots where they where they have little pressure from like road hunters or rifle hunters or whatever. Like it, it is, it is tough. So like getting these opportunities that I felt like they were kind of deserved in, in the same time. Cause we did put on a lot of walking miles, uh, you know, walking through shit and basically, you know, taking out areas where like, okay, there's no sign here. We don't have to come back here and narrowing down our spots. And, and it kind of worked out. And I believe that, you know, we did deserve some of these opportunities, maybe not at the mall. We got lucky on a few of them, but I do, uh, I do believe it was deserved on our part, but it's funny. Cause like when Chase and I hunt together, you know, and something happens, you know, like for instance, when we we're walking through the bush and all of a sudden this elk's beside us bugling and then the whole thing kind of unfolds and we kind of look at each other and we just start laughing. I was like, are you kidding me? Like this is happening again and we we're not, you know, finishing or like when the, when we're walking and we're like, okay, we're, you know, this is where we want to, this is what we want to do. We're like talking about the night before looking on maps, doing whatever, this is what we want to do. And then we get out there and we make a few calls and we start actually hunting and we hear an elk bugle and we just like look at each other, you know, do the old fist bump and like it's game on. And we kind of know what's going to happen next, like in ways like, okay, this, I'm going to be following you. You're going to be following me. We're going to set up like this. We kind of know it, um, what's happening. And it's, and it's a lot of learning and evolving throughout the last few years. We're hunting together, but man, it, it is sure fun. And yeah, lots of opportunities, but I, I do believe that we deserve a few of them because uh, we put in a lot of work this year walking around looking for spots. Would you guys say that, yeah, you definitely put on a lot of miles because I remember you guys checking your, your hunting app or your health app every day and you'd be like, oh, that's another 20, 21 kilometer day there that we did or whatever it was. And it was just insanity. Do you, do you guys, it, it felt like it was peak rut almost that you had spent out there uh Maybe not peak rut, but very much like they were going through the motions and responding to calls and things like that. I, I'm not too sure if that was a question or a statement, but but yeah, there was definitely uh, lots of action, man. And like, I don't know, it was it was it, it was kind of weird, not weird. I don't know how how you say it because in past years we did have action earlier on in the season, and and our best action this year was just like that late season stuff where we really got into them and the bulls were just screaming right in your face kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The the other thing too, is like <clears throat> when, uh, Chase's first weekend, we had that one, I think it was only one encounter. We might've had two, two, yeah, we might've had two. And then he left for a few days there and I kind of hunted. Um, and I'm not like a great caller by any means, but, even the couple guys that were staying in Asher and, and talking with them, they weren't getting much action. And then I, I believe at that time it actually cooled right down during the week. And then it kind of warmed up again during the weekend. And yeah, as soon as like Friday morning hit, they, you know, we started getting more action, hearing more balls again. But like for like the three days there, like Wednesday, Thursday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday or something like that varied a little, little, uh, not, not saying sign, but I didn't hear any and, like I said, I'm not the best caller or anything, but I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Probably does, but yeah, I'm sure it's all related. Like, and I, uh, I didn't get to spend that much time in the bush with with you guys, but uh, I I did 
like the highlight for me definitely is with the spending time outside was uh i was sitting in a swamp one night just glassing and uh i had a bull elk come out almost at dusk a little before dusk and he uh he gave a big old bugle there saw his like it was about 300 yards away saw his belly like tuck up and uh the the way the sun was shining on him he's getting backlit and so he came out and like bugled approached a wallow uh jumped down into that thing and just started thrashing and like not only could he see the water like kind of mist off of him when he shook but when he thrashed, he like they actually thrash in these wallows, right? Um, he was like just you could see the slough just coming out, like his horns were just shoveling out mud into the you know into the air, and it just like gave you gave you just really like tangible sense of how powerful these animals are, and like how just like you know primal it all is for what's what's going on for them right now, and it was just you know just an amazing sight. I, uh, even though I wasn't, uh, in camp that whole time, I felt just super lucky to see that. Just amazing experience. Do you guys have a nickname for that black antlered elk? I feel like there should be one. Cause that's like a pretty remarkable animal. If I think about it, if you have, I don't know. Did we, did we have a nickname for him? I think we call him du- like dark horn or something <laughs> like at the time. Yeah. Like, we just had a name for him just for telling stories really. But it's not like we really targeted them again. That was like our last day kind of thing, wasn't it? Of that end of camp? That was our last day of that end of camp. And then we, we ended up going back there. Uh, when was it? That last we weekend? To, weren't, weren't we back there? We went the last last day of the season. We met there at noon, just after noon or whatever, to hunt that yeah. afternoon. Have you guys thought about Darkhorn since camp closed out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, and like not every day by any means, but quite a few times. And not only that, like the story comes up quite a bit too. So, I mean, <laughs> like his his horns probably weren't even dark, but now they were super dark. They're like as black as my tires on my truck. But it's it's funny because um, that that was the one thing that was like very evident of that bull was like his yeah, his antlers were super. Are they antlers or horns? Antlers, I guess. But they were like super super dark and. Uh, yeah, it was a cool looking ball, that's for sure. That's awesome. Like I'm just uh I'm jacked up thinking about it. The other thing I'm jacked up about is the camp food and I'm always excited about it. But like Chase was saying in the intro here, we brought out the pit barrel to camp and we put it through the paces out there. And uh you know, I I was only out for a couple of days, had some amazing food with you with you guys and whoever else is out there um maybe maybe i can kick it off here but like i mean maybe the the favorite meal that i had put together out there was uh some duck bites and i i uh kind of i tried to go over and above with these duck bites here not only just doing the regular like bacon jalapeno cream cheese kind of thing but i had them marinating for a number of days the uh, the the duck breast was uh aged and uh i think i'd seasoned them multiple times and then to top it off you know like on the pit barrel for you know a couple hours and i think it it, it was amazing because the, the pit barrel was able to crisp up that bacon without burning anything so like you just got like this double smoked bacon cheese filled with a bit of a bite from the jalapeno and uh 
you know, some some spice. And like I just think it came together just amazing. So I'll I'll maybe kick it off there a little, but maybe you guys can share some other thoughts about the camp food and what we put the pit barrel through. And wasn't didn't you have like uh uh like you made your own like three cheese stuffing to go on those duck bites too? Oh yeah, yeah. So like one pro tip with the stuffing, the cheese stuffing for duck bites is. Always use cream cheese, but I also th- typically throw some cheddar in there. If you're feeling really adventurous, you can throw another cheese in there. But uh, I, I felt I feel it helps with kind of like the texture and the taste for like a duck bite or any kind of like cheese filling in that manner. Yeah, yeah, gives a little little bit more depth too. Um, man, the pit barrel is definitely the star of the show at camp. Uh, we, I'm pretty sure we brought four bags of charcoal out and. Most of them were either they were either empty or close to empty by the time camp wrapped up. So I, I think that thing was almost running daily. And like I remember when when those other fellows were in camp there at the start of our camp, and we rolled in and and they were they were running pretty light on the food source side of things, and we had quite the extravagant spread pretty much every night in camp. And Sheldon pretty much cooked up an entire Thanksgiving dinner the one the one evening there. Yeah, yeah, that was that was awesome. We um, yeah, we did a I did a full turkey. I don't know how big it would have been, like weight wise, but that was a big turkey. It was man. Freaking, yeah, it was freaking big. Um, and yeah, so I did that in the in the pit barrel, and I put it on around I don't know what it'd be like maybe two o'clock ish. And by the time I got back, by the time we got back. Let's say it was like eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. It was ready to rock, um, but still, I, I think it could have probably been on there for another hour still. Um, but some of the nooks and crannies, there's a little bit of red in some spots, but like the breasts were good and everything else was good. But yeah, it was super good. We made that Thanksgiving dinner, and then what I end up doing is taking a bunch of the the you know bits and bites off the turkey and making a turkey soup uh, for the for the days that I were going to be there or whatever, and that turned out really well. And uh, what else did we do in the pit barrel there? We did some tur- or some turkey. I already talked about that. Some elk meat uh, with catch and cook. We've already talked about that. Ribs. Um, you guys did some ribs. Well, yeah, we did there. ribs. Yeah, ribs are so easy to do too. Like this thing, like like I was saying about turkey, the same thing with ribs. You can throw them on right before you leave, like three o'clock, whatever. As long as they're in there for two or three hours, like you're good to go. And um, yeah, super tasty. Ribs are always just a easy easy and really good choice my one my one iconic meal of the whole trip and i think i've talked about it a little bit but um tyler and i were in camp we got back and tyler had a piece of backstrap from his whitetail i believe from the year before and i wasn't really feeling like cooking and neither was he and we didn't really have anything ready and it was it was a cold night like it was uh i mean for september it was cold like it might have been minus one or two maybe a little bit colder but we were like, yeah, you know what? Let's uh, get that fire barking. We'll get a cast iron on there, and we'll, you know, cook up some mushrooms and onions and peppers, and then just do steak. Do do this backstrap. We'll slice it up nice and thin so it cooks quick and easy, and we'll just put it on some toast. So we end up doing that, and uh, I remember sitting sitting there having a drink with Tyler, and just you know, everything sizzling and on the fire, on the on the stove, and I was just like man this brings back so many memories like even that smell of cooking deer deer steak on a cast iron with peppers and stuff like right in the house and 
brought back so many memories and we're just like bullshitting about you know our parents cooking this same type meal for us you know 20 years ago and we ended up yeah having basically like little steak sandwiches and unbelievable little meal that we had right in camp and yeah it was an it was a really cool cool time yeah man i love it when uh that same night that you did those poppers Tristan, you also did uh did a chicken and uh you did a spaghetti squash and some like shish kebab onions and veggies and stuff on there and like everything was good but i've never really had spaghetti squash like that before and that was like a next level thing for me and i'm definitely going to be doing some more of those on there yeah really- and and add add that pineapple you did for dessert on the oh, same yeah. meal that was that was unbelievable yeah so like if you take a pineapple and you you leave the top on but you shear off all the sides and roll it in a little cinnamon and sugar um you get a pretty deadly dessert and double that up if you got a little vanilla ice cream but uh it's pretty good um Sheldon just to, to add a note to your cooking regime there like the the Thanksgiving dinner was super interesting element for camp and it was like a we I know we have our own like comfort foods in camp and this was just like an a, a merger of multiple comfort foods coming together for camp. It was, it was, it was pretty cool. I think I'd do it again. Um, and I, I also managed, like I, I was trying to push the versatility of the, the pit barrel there as much as possible. And I also did like a, I remember doing a bean casserole with like in a, in a, like a, a tin container with a bunch of like mushroom soup and onions and garden carrots and stuff. Um, and topped it with some like panko uh, crust, and like all in all, it's just like I thought it was just a really successful way to like put the pit barrel through the paces and see that it's you know perfectly capable of like cooking pretty much anything you know on there aside from maybe deep frying you know a fourteen pounds of fish, but uh, like I was just really oh, and I think I did a trout up there. If uh if I remember correctly. Yeah, you did. So yep. like there was no shortage of food, let's be clear. But the pit barrel, like Jay said, was the star of that that show there, by and large. And another reason why I just love going up to camp because you get to experience everyone else's cooking too, right? So just kinda cool. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering here, like we've we've kind of gone through like some of the highs, some of the lows of camp. And if you guys had one thing that you could do different next time around and one thing that you wouldn't change, what would those things be if you uh, if you had to dig deep and really reflect on what camp meant, what elk hunting meant, and, uh, you know, looking to the future? One thing that you would change and one thing that you would keep the same? Um, in, in, my, in my sense, I think I would really focus more on... on uh, uh, I don't know, somehow to be more of a, just more mobile in, in pulling elk across to Sheldon and really being like more of a, a really just either one person dominating the shooting position and one person dominating the calling position and not so much playing a bit of both those worlds. I think that could have changed our success in a couple couple instances and just being like behind Sheldon Moore. I remember after that first encounter where we were really trying to play the wind on, on that, that slew and 
the elk just didn't come out the way we thought he would come out. And I think we just need to set up better for that, those encounters and just try and f- figure out ways that we can still have the caller be more mobile. And then, uh, yeah, I think if the yeah, elk but don't you think, in, we're pushing them. Don't you think that in that scenario, the elk did like the one time out of the hundred, he did like the wrong move. Do you like, in my mind, the way we set up in that slew, we set it up so that he'd be coming circling you to get good wind, which would bring him right to me. And, and in my mind, that should happen, whatever, 99% of the time. And it was almost like that elk did the 1%. Yeah, but the, not necessarily. We had we had other, like, the way we pushed those elk, man, we always made sure that we had good wind going to them, right? And they, when they spun lots of the time, they were coming, like, on that quartered, to wind angle kind of thing so they weren't trying to really cut the wind too much um as just kind of barging in our face and and trying to get that visual confirmation in my mind they were they would eventually grab the wind there in a couple one one instance they did but no but i'm just talking about that very first one like that very first the very first encounter we were set up i thought like textbook like i was kind of by the side of but like 50 whatever 75 yards away from you mm-hmm. right we had the we had the wind where the elk was coming from we had basically the wind in our face in a way that wherever the caller was the elk would kind of circle to try to get better wind of of the caller which would have brought the elk to to me yeah in in theory and that's the just just this one encounter i thought it was like pretty much textbook and the elk did the exact one percent of what we thought that's just my opinion but yeah, the other encounters, I agree with what you're saying there for sure. And Chase, Chase, what were you saying? You would, uh, what would you keep the same? I would still push them hard if if they're not coming in. They're like, like there, you could. There's a definite difference in the call of a of a bull that's really worked up and really interested, and there's like a chance that he's going to come ripping in, compared to like one that might have some cows or is not that interested, right? Um, that, that bull, that first encounter when he came in, like it was night and day compared to that other elk that was bugling. And it was like, okay, this guy's coming in. Like we need to get set up kind of thing. And then like, even the other encounters that we had, I remember that, that, that dark horn bull that we encountered that first night that when we put him to bed there, he was bugling so hard. It was just like, I, I wish we had another like hour to get in after him because I'm sure we would have had uh, just an insane encounter at that time. And uh, what what my thoughts are on that is that he ended up finding a cow throughout the night there, and then and then uh, that next morning when we encountered him, yeah, he was still there, but he was a totally different elk when we got there that morning. Yeah, I agree so, with that for sure. And it, yeah, just from what you're saying, even uh, well, where I was sitting that night before, I could hear you guys kind of talking back and forth. And yeah, I'd agree with that 100%. Because the next day, it, it took a while. It didn't take a while to get lit up, but it, he wasn't nearly as aggressive in his calling. Like the night no. before, as soon as you put basically put a, a breath through the tube, he was already calling right back on top of you, kind of thing. It almost seemed like. But yeah, and he was like he was. He was bugling when we weren't even calling, so he was he was really worked up the, that night before. 
Sheldon, yeah. do you have anything to add to like what would you do different and uh, maybe what would you keep the same there? Yeah, I, I pretty much piggyback off what Chase was saying. <clears throat> like the only thing I guess I would change um, would be the last. Let's just say like the last half hour or the last um, you know sixty or seventy yards encounter to that to the bull that we're going after. There's a few things I would change, but the reason why I would change them is because we learned, I think, a few times the hard way, as in, just like Chase was saying, our setup might have been a little bit, we could have set up a bit better in that last, say, half hour or last 70 yards or whatever it may be. So I would change that. Um, what I'd keep the same, I know it's going to sound super cheesy, but like hunting with the same guy, um, I, would, I wouldn't I would want to change that at all. Like I'd love, love to keep it the same if I could. I know the draw system is going to, you know, deteriorate that. And same with you, Tristan, if you get drawn, obviously we're going to be like switching things up, but just like learning people and the way they interact in the bush. And like, even it's the simplest things is like following someone through the bush. And, you know, every once in a while, like I can just tell when Chase is going to hold a branch there for a minute. And I just know when to stop because if, if I don't stop me, that's smashing the face of this branch, but he's holding it because his bows, because his bow is going to get caught in it. If he doesn't hold it out, you know what I mean? Off to the side. And you pick up on all these little things in the bush and it just like, not only does it make you, I think, better uh, in the outdoors, but it like even gives you a, a whole different level of confidence of um, trusting someone out there, you know, following someone like you're following someone into the middle of nowhere. And if you did lose like all your, you know, compasses and GPSs and everything else, the only person you have to rely on is your hunting partner in a lot of cases, unless you're hunting by yourself. But yeah, I wouldn't change that because, uh, you know, there's a lot of times and even I'm and there's another prime example and i think this goes to a lot of uh shows a lot of class that chase has is like we were after this one bull and we i'm like okay well i in my backpack it was quite heavy i think i had an extra jacket in there i had one of chase's jackets or whatever and one of mine in my backpack and i was like okay i'm gonna drop this bag here i'm gonna put it on my gps etc yeah no problem so then we get out after this bull and we ended up being like i don't know like maybe mile and a half or two miles away from where my bag was and I was like, okay, well, I'll walk back and go get it. I'll meet you back at the truck. And Chase's like, no, 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 I'll come with you. And so, you know, we, we walk back to the bag and then walk all the way back to the truck where we've already, you know, probably put on 10 or 12 kilometers that morning. Now we got to add on another five. Well, that sucks. But he did it. And uh, I think it goes a little, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't change my hunting partner. How about that? Long story. <laughs> That's what an answer there. And uh, so was the, the, the classy part where chase walked back with you or is it where he made you carry his jacket (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah well guys i I wasn't there for the full stretch but it was it was a hell of a camp and like just hearing the stories either that night or through text message or even now reliving them with you two it was it, it was just a hell of an experience again and goes to show just how dynamic and frustrating and uh just amazing the the elk hunting can be here in manitoba uh specifically that interlake region so maybe we could uh loop to our final final for the uh the old elk camp close out here for 2020 um my final final i don't know man it, it's i think we've touched on a lot of things throughout this podcast and i i I don't know. It's just elk hunting is so addictive to me, and it's it's just 
this year was this crazy or crazy roller coaster of highs and lows because like like we we spoke about earlier just you know we we'd have these opportunities so you'd just be riding this high and then after the end you're just like that may have been my last chance so you just come rocketing down off that but then there's something that's just that's just pushing you to to like have that encounter again and uh it's crazy man it's so crazy um i remember that the last day uh one of the last days i was out there and we were burnt out man and i was going after this going on the hunt by myself and it was windy out and i was like just thinking in my mind like oh man like if i don't see anything i'd be so disappointed and I, I was just walking and bugling and I was so exhausted and I thought I could hear something, but I'm, I just like, man, that's, you're so deaf. You probably can't even hear something. You're just making it up in your head. And then eventually heard that bugle and then bam, you get that energy and you're on the run again. So it's, I don't know. It's a beautiful thing. Love, hate relationship, but that's hilarious. hopefully we'll be back out there next year. Sheldon, final thoughts, buddy. Yeah, my I guess my final thought would be um, <clears throat> to anybody that's listening, like we're we're by no no means pros at basically anything in the outdoors, but we do like to do a lot of the outdoor things. And elk hunting, especially for me, is is kind of new into my my bag of uh, hunting trips that I like to go on. It's now kind of ingrained as a tradition to get out there with you two fellas and whoever else can can make the trip. But I guess my final thought would be like, um, yeah you got to create your own opportunities and um to circle back to our very last day when we were there and we we like basically made a phone call to each other it's like well let's go the last day and you know we made that opportunity to make it happen and we got out there unloaded a bike went and biked out to the spot where we wanted to be and we started hunting and you know we 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 created opportunities for ourselves to the point where it was like the last half hour and we were we were drained um, of, of walking all day and we heard a faint bugle and we're like, let's, you know, what are we going to do? And we're like, well, let's go. And we, we literally like sped walk jogged for, you know, half a mile or so until we realized we were pretty sure it was another hunter, but it was just like, you got to take, when you get these opportunities, you just got to take them and, and kind of go with it. And that being said too, you got to be very, very safe and like, and think about it. Like Chase was just saying, like you get that burst of energy, but Sometimes you get back into that bush and you get way back in where you may not have enough supplies or may not be uh, maybe going into the spots where you should be going because you're not prepared. And, you know, those are things you got to think about too. So my final thought would be take those opportunities, go with them and, and go, go in being prepared. Yeah. It's interesting. You kind of reference, you know, some of that opportunity taking Sheldon because like, the way it rolled out for me this year, and it, this isn't indicative of just the elk camp, but all the kind of outdoor experience that I had this fall, is like um, Finn came along, and man, I love that little bugger so much, and I still felt this draw to go out hunting, and like it, I caught some heat from it, not from Carly, luckily so much, but like other people were maybe a little critical of. Uh, you know, some of my priorities will say, and I think like just thinking deeply on it and about how, how I relate to not only fatherhood, but the outdoors and like, man, it, it, 
it I think it's possible to to love a little human that much, but also like recognize that you know some of this stuff is so essential and central to your core as a person that you know there's there's no way I could ground myself in some respects. It would be very hard for me, and it'd almost be like re reimagining myself as a person to not do these things and uh and at least to to try right. So there's definitely some days now where if I look outside and it's minus 30 and I'm just going to go and catch one walleye, I might say, okay, maybe maybe I should be spending some time with with the kid. My my time could be better served with the kid today than uh than going and freezing my ass off and ca- not catching anything. But what remains still even though through this huge life-changing event is this still this drive to not only you know be able to camp with you guys, but like reconnect with that that land that we are starting to learn and and be in the pursuit of something that's so meaningful and majestical as like an elk. So I don't know if that long tangent made sense to anyone else but myself, but it's uh, it's an interesting balance that I think hunters play um, when it comes to managing their personal affairs. We'll say. I feel you on that one, man. <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's uh it's a balancing act for sure so with all that being said i think it's unanimous around the board here that you know we're going to be back at it in 2021 in one fashion or the other um you never know what light's going to throw you here but uh it's uh it's always been a pleasure being in the field with you guys it was a pleasure doing it this fall and uh i can't wait till things start to calm down a little bit and we can really you know kick not only our uh outdoor activities up but our you know panoramic to the next level too so good chatting with you guys today and if you're listening thanks for listening to our 2020 wrap-up of elk camp yeah it's been a pleasure guys and uh just to add on to what tristan said thanks to everyone that's been listening uh thanks to Trist- tristan and chase for uh putting up with my shit all year i have had nothing but good times working uh, for panoramic and doing these podcasts so thank you to you too and a lot of thank yous go out to some of the people in the back uh behind the behind the stage or behind the curtain as in jody and april and sean and addy and darren they all have been helping us out and of course josh as well so thank you to those people um i hope everyone has a merry christmas and a great new year i'll second that man and uh 2020 has been certainly been an interesting one like similar to the elk season lots of highs lots of lows um but a great year uh panoramic nonetheless and i'm i'm glad i'm doing it with you fellas and uh yeah looking forward to see what 2021 brings so before we wish you one final merry christmas just a reminder to uh check out our store online and if you haven't got all your christmas gifts yet we do have digital gift cards up which are immediate access so you can get those lined up asap and so with that all being said thanks for the support all the way through 2020 this year couldn't have done it without you wishing you a merry christmas and if you don't celebrate christmas happy holidays